it's okay. All right, so we did get a question. Well, so not a question. Here's what it quote: not a question, but there's something to be said for having more usable options when you constrain yourself. Uh, totally, hundred percent. Um, so when you choose things that are constraining, are you choosing options um, that limit yourself? Uh, I would say don't just be negative of like can't do, can't do, can't do. But what would any good counselor or good therapist say? It's not just the not doing something. What's something good you could replace it with? Um, Jesus was the same as like uh, on the spiritual level. When you get rid of evil within your life, you have to replace it with good. Um, so yeah, it's not just about constraint, constraint, constraint. But you have to replace that with something good. If you are struggling with a certain habit, what's a good habit that you can implement? So yeah, I hopefully I answered that in, to some degree. That's good. All right, second sin. Um, yeah, we need a better definition of sin, I think. Um, so we'll talk about sin in general, and then mortal versus venial sins. You hear that, like Catholics say that a lot: mortal versus venial. Um, but we need sin in general. Um, Simpsons just put it best. Uh, I forget the exact, like Maggie was sent to a Catholic place and uh, the nun is singing, you know, if you're happy and you know it, it's a sin. Um, so what better way to demonstrate what people think that Catholics think sin is? Um, it was just, per I laughed out loud. I was like, that's perfect. Um, so, a lot of people, when we say sin, you have this allergic reaction as if it's judgy or condemning. Um, the problem is it's just like what we talked about morality is in the beginning. When you teach a new concept of good and evil and you're like, don't do this, don't do that. Uh, when you say sin, um, it does the same exact thing. Uh, when you say sin, it's like, oh, that's the bad thing. You know, how I, I have so much stress about it. But let's get like a better definition of sin. We d we're adults now, so no longer the kid definition of a sin is the bad thing that, that God said I can't do. Let's look at it in a different way. A good definition is you choose some lesser good that harms you in the long run. Sounds very familiar to our definition of addiction. You choose something like for a hit of pleasure that hurts you overall. This is exactly what sin is. You, you grasp at a lower level of happiness at the cost of something higher okay so it harms your relationship with god it harms your relationship with other people it harms your kind of integral self if you want to be a person who is x y and z and better but you choose something that gives you a habit that is negative you've harmed that relationship even with yourself so hopefully that understanding does that understanding of sin is that a little bit elevated rather than just a no-no that god wrote down somewhere hopefully that kind of helps if you can convey that truth um maybe one day it'll get back to the simpsons writer who wrote that that nun thing um but yeah again it just sin really summarizes like failure to love god and neighbor appropriately failure to love oneself the contempt contempt of god like i I choose me so, so resolutely that I'm saying no to God in some way. And offense against reason, truth, and right conscience, too. So this is kind of that fleshed out between God, others, yourself, uh, in different ways. If you really see, if you really see and know that something is true 
and you choose against truth itself just because you don't like it, um, that would be sinful because you're you're harming yourself in what you know to be true. And we'll talk about conscience here in a little bit. So that is really what, what sin is. Um, so who sins? So I sin, you sin. Uh, not the word we, though. Um, just kind of a this kind of a thing, like a sin is a very personal act. Um, so the, the things I'm conveying on the slide is that literally every human sins. When a priest is for you, like a priest for you is trying to get you to God, but on his own terms, he's trying to get himself to God. So he has just as much like to work on as well. I, I have a confessor. A confessor is... Uh, so in the sacrament of penance or confession, when you confess and you are absolved of your sins, um, the majority of the time, like that's it. Your sins are gone and, and done. You're done with it. Um, sometimes in your life, you might choose a confessor. A confessor is a priest that you say like, hey, actually, can you remember these sins and can we talk about them outside of confession? Um, so I would say every good priest has a confessor so my confessor is Father Goodwin. He's in Davie. Uh, I, I, he's just, he's a good confessor. Um, don't you? Oh, I, okay, hold on. I have to, I recorded this, uh, some audio for my day off back in 2000. I have to get rid of that really quickly. So there's some timing on these slides too. Okay. Um, There we go. So I use a confessor. Um, and so I shoot for every two weeks. Uh, it's been, I've, I've been like, it's in practice, it's like every three or four weeks, but um, every priest needs confession. Every person needs confession because we sin. It's just, we're human. And the more we can kind of get over that a little bit, like it's human, not to the point where we excuse ourselves, oh, I'm human, I'll just sin. But to the point where we realize like we're no better than our brother and sister, like we're all trying best we can, um, it might be helpful in general. So I sin, you sin, and it's okay. So now as we continue on the sin, what's required for something to be a sin? Um, grave matter, or in other words, it's serious. It's actually wrong. Like in and of itself, the thing that you're choosing is wrong. So that's one requirement. Second, you have full knowledge. You know that it's wrong. And then third, you do it anyway. You choose to do it. Okay, deliberate, personal choice. So for something to be a sin, you have to have all three. Okay, is something that I did wrong? Yes. Do I know it's wrong? Yes. Did I do it with complete freedom? Yes. Then that would be your checklist like, oh yeah, that was an actual sin. Um, now the beauty of this is the reverse, you know, I, someone jumps out. I like, uh, you know, I love a good jump scare every now and then, uh, father Sita has been doing it to me. Um, I did it to him first. It's my own fault. Uh, so he'll like jump around a corner. Uh, so like, say I punch him, you know, is it bad? Yes, it is bad to punch father Sita. Uh, do I know it's wrong to punch Father Zitha? Yes. Did I do it freely? 
No, it was a reaction. So I think I wrote these down. Yeah, for that third one, like consent, like you choose, uh, it's under sin, B, three, C. Sounds very, I don't know, whatever. So consent. For you to choose something, you're not coerced into it. It's not a reaction and it's not absent-minded, okay? For something to be a sin, you actually have to choose it. Sometimes people, yeah. And you'll, we'll always help you. A priest will always help you in confessional. It's like, hey, so I had, uh, I missed mass last Sunday. It's like, okay, you know, and then I'll just kind of, I'll just kind of politely ask, you know, um, so yeah, were, were you under the weather or, or did you just choose it? And they're like, well, I was in the hospital with 104 degree temperature. Ah, you see how this is not a sin. Um, you did not choose to have an 104 degree temperature and be hospitalized. So therefore, no sin. Um, do you see how this can this can protect you from getting like too hard on yourself? Like you get to do a little checklist and be like, oh yeah, okay, no sin. If you have any question, you just kind of ask in um, in confessional. So does that kind of make sense of sin? Yeah. Oh, like if I was hospitalized, it is there is no culpability. But what happens sometimes is people still feel a little guilty and they'll still bring it up. And then you you hear the priest say, like, you are okay. Um, so totally fine. If you went along your life and you're like, well, I was hospitalized, and father said that uh, being hospitalized is is okay to miss mass. Um, I still want to say it totally okay. And then if you don't, you're you are covered and good to go. Yeah. Yes. So traveling, there's a great there's a great website called MassTimes.org. Um, MassTimes. Say no more. Um, what was fun was as a priest, um, they they had an app, and then like after ordination, I was like, oh, I can delete that app. <laughs> I pass when I travel. Um, if you are if you are like. Um, you know, hard stuck traveling and it's a necessary travel. Uh, one time um, there was like for a funeral, um, they had the red eye flight and they went through an airport that didn't do mass. There's a lot of major airports that have mass. Uh, check it out. There's a lot of airports. Chicago always has mass. Um, Chicago airport. Uh, but check out to see if your airport. Anyway, um, it was like Saturday at noon and they're like, hey, I have to catch this red eye. And here, and he was showing me the flights. Um, you know, what do I do? I'm gonna miss mass. And so as his, what well, I, was, I was an associate pastor, I wasn't the pastor, but through me, we got him the pastor's dispen traveler's dispensation. So if you are planning and you're like, no matter how hard I try, I cannot get to mass, just talk with your pastor about it. And there's something called a traveler's dispensation. Um, yeah, it's very rare. It's handed out, but you have to like really, really prove it. But I love masstimes.org. It's really cool. Mostly because like when I was uh, in college, I was like, who is the 5 p.m. Sunday night mass? And um, I got more serious with it. All right. Now, kind of mortal versus venial sins. So all wrongdoing is a sin. There is sin that is not mortal. First John 5, 17. Right in scripture, it says that there are not mortal sins. So we just use that word venial. Mortal sin is we choose a disorder so, so severe 
or in such a way that we actually cut ourselves off from God's grace. I always use it as, um, well, let's do venial, and then I'll, I'll use the example that I use for the high school kids. In short, venial sin still offends God, but it doesn't separate us from him. Could be serious matter without full knowledge. Repetition can possibly lead to mortal sin if uh, you know guilt dis- diminishes. Um, if you do a little thing constantly all the time to the point where you are now a person who always steals. Like, yeah, if you're working on something, I don't want to get too much in the nitty gritty. I somehow got louder. I don't want to get too much in the minutia, but um, being your sin in short does not cut you off, but it does create static. The best way I've always told, um, let's do two different analogies. One is I would ask the juniors, like, um, you know, if a boyfriend and a girlfriend, what would what would be something that would break them up? Like the relationship would end. And it's like someone cheated or did something. And so then it's like, there you go. That was a sin against that relationship so hard that it actually broke the relationship up. What's a sin between a you know boyfriend, girlfriend that might give them static? And um, oh, there was one uh, one girl in class, like he doesn't shower for two days. And then he she looks across the room. Um, so I was like, okay, now I know that you two are dating and that you didn't shower for two days once. Um, so like, it's okay. Like you did not, the relationship didn't break up, but was there static in there? Yes. Um, I also talk walkie talkies. Okay. So walkie talkies, they're good at a short range, aren't they? Oh, I hear you clear as day. Yada, yada, yada. Venial sin is starting to walk away from the relationship a little so far that now there's some static. Like I couldn't get I couldn't get everything like, uh, you know, we're still connected, but it's harder to hear you. It's harder to to understand what you want me to do. And then mortal sin is you walk so far away that there's no response. There's no walkie talkie. I hope that that sh- that demonstrates that sin is just kind of walking away from a relationship with God. And that that can kind of deepen the image a little bit more. Something we choose. He's always right where he is. But where are we in the midst of where he is? So that's what mortal sin. Any kind of question on that? So it's not in terms of here's a list, avoid them, but it is like here are things that actually harm you so much that you you choose yourself over God. You like distance yourself from God. That's what a mortal sin is. But yeah. Oh, maybe I should check the anon. Talking sin. Be a little bit more. I messy. Nope. Okay, well, um, if there are no questions, I'll kind of talk about the conscience. Um, I would say this last half, um, let's do conscience and then we'll take like another little short break just because, is it a little stuffy? Like jumped, maybe you guys are fine. Um, We'll open the door, but the next like three, four and five really are like, how do I make choices then? You told me there are some choices that are gonna be harmful for me. You told me there are some choices that are going to take away my freedom and some that are going to help my freedom. How do I start making good choices then? This is what the rest of this class is going to be like um, with your conscience, uh, with making decisions and cooperation. Okay. Um, All right. Let's get into conscience. I always like, I'm a terrible speller. Um, I just blame like I'm a math and science brain, but con science with science. 
what I always kind of do. So a well-formed conscience is something that we need. It, this is a unique human ability. Um, it's like I hear about something and I conclude if it's going to be better for me or worse for me without like actually studying it on a deep level. The conscience is very, it, it goes very quick. It makes a judgment, but it's a very unique human power that we have. So when it comes to a conscience, it uses thoughts and feelings to discern, determine if something is good or bad. Um, a lot of people always only talk about the feelings half of it, but that's cutting it off at the knees. You're not using the best part of conscience. Um, yeah, you're not using the best part of it, which is the intellectual part of it. So we'll talk about thoughts and feelings. Um, a lot of people think it's the, you know, uh, Jiminy, is that his name? Jiminy Cricket on your shoulder just telling you, or the angel and the devil. But it's not just feelings, but it's also thoughts as well. So here's how it is. Um, how the conscience uses thoughts is that your intellect, your brain, starts to intake things that are good and things that are bad from you. You start to think, like, what are some things that are harmful to me? What are some things that are beneficial to me? And over time, your conscience is slowly intaking and learning. You are not born with a perfect conscience. It is a muscle. It is a skill you have to hone. You have the capacity for a conscience because you have an intellect and a will. You have a heart and a brain. But you have to teach it. So your conscience is just going to listen from other values or standards that people have from trustworthy sources. This is where, and I'll talk in general, maybe I'm skipping two slides, but your conscience can be, can be malformed or poorly formed. Someone could have told you along the way, um, well, here's one example. Um, so my dad is red-green colorblind, and, uh, you know, he would, what would be one problem with a red-green colorblind when you drive? Stoplights. So he relied on someone to tell him that red's on top, that's right. Yeah, red's on top and green's on bottom. But in Fremont, Nebraska, the stop signs are left to right. And so his brother was like, oh yeah, green's on the left, red's on the opposite. Um, so he, just thinking he was correct, you know, would at, it only took him a couple intersections. Um, he would see, okay, it's on the left, good to go. It's just like that, that your conscience can be poorly formed by being misinformed about something. Um, yeah, I mean, I, re I related to my own immorality in late teens, early 20s. I was told that the choices I was making would make me happier, and they didn't. So when coming out of that with a lot of like, uh, you know, reparative and healing connection with Christ, I did feel a lot, a lot of resentment from the people that lied to me. <laughs> but the problem is they weren't mean. They just thought that what they were choosing was good for them as well. And here they are, like, I'm still friends with, um, I'm still friends with some of them. And here they are, we're all 39. And I was just met with one of my friends and she definitely lives um, an alternative lifestyle. And um, yeah. There's not as much happiness and peace as I would desire for her. 
Um, just because like her con people have told her like, this is how you get to happy and it's exactly working out. So your conscience can be misinformed or malformed or like my uncle, Uncle Dallas, who is just messing with my dad. Someone could just teach you wrong on purpose. But yeah, Fremont, Nebraska. I, I don't think many other places have stoplights left to right, I think for that reason, but I've never been there. Next, uh, the other part of your conscience is feelings. Um, this is where your intellect has in, has has in intook, intaked, has taken in. Thank you. Um, has taken in so much that it can go through a very quick calculation and output a good like. This is what you should feel about this. Um, you know, it's just like. Food, like if I see food that I have no clue what it is, I don't know if I like it or not. But if I have a lot of experience with it, like a lot of information on it, all of a sudden I see that food and it's a, oh, you like that. Go to that. Um, so feelings, it's the same exact way in the part in the conscience. What, what's beautiful about feelings is they will guide you before an act and they will judge after an act. So if there's something that you know is not good for you, it's going to say like, I'm good for you. I don't shut up conscience. I'm doing it anyway. And then judge after told you it wasn't good. Yeah, 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 I know. Um, so, or the opposite, like, um, you know, sometimes when I first started to work, um, with homeless in the seminary, my, my feelings on it were very, like, I was scared. Um, I didn't know what to do. I thought I was, um, being like mean or condescending, but then after learning, um, then the, the, the judgment got a lot better. Like, Hey, you did a good thing. It was hard, but you did it. And so now I have the feelings of like, Oh, I see someone. I know how, how I feel or what I'm going to do. It's the right thing to do kind of thing. So feelings are such a beautiful part of the conscience. So don't discount them. So they're not everything but then you can't discount them as well. So hopefully that kind of informs you on intellect and feelings of your conscience. Can be malformed, just be very, very, very cautious. What's the trustworthy source that you are using? Oh yeah, absolutely your conscience can be manipulated. Uh, yeah, we'll get into the, here's where I kind of did this in the preamble, but yeah, January 18th is where we'll talk about uh, fourth, sixth, and ninth commandments. We'll talk about the human person, the human family, sexuality. Like, we'll get about these topics so that you can inform your conscience to say, like, okay, am I going to decide in the end, is this good for someone or not good for someone? Because you can make you can make judgments, you just can't be judgmental. That'll, that's like a big part of Christianity. You can still like everyone is like, oh, I don't want to be judgmental, so. So they stop making judgments, which is not not smart. You have an intellect. You can make a choice. You can make a judgment. You just can't be judgmental. So you can judge an action as good or bad for someone, but you cannot judge the person themselves. You do not know their story. You do not know how their conscience was formed. Uh, you cannot hold like a superiority over someone. You don't know their story. So you can make judgments, but you can't make can't be judgmental. Is kind of a good rule of morality, I would say. Okay, how about this one last break, potty break, and then we'll do four and five after. We'll teach like how, how to make decisions. Let's just do a short one, like 
three minutes, three minutes, four minutes, go get some more sweets, stand up. Um, if you want, we can just open these doors just a little bit.